Well, we've done it, you guys. We've made it to the greatest race weekend of the year. It's Memorial Day weekend. It is gearhead overload this weekend. Digging it, man. Tomorrow we get the trifecta of racing enthusiasts uh, everywhere. We're going to start off with the Monaco Grand Prix. Uh, in fact, been watching uh, the last couple of days, been watching practice and and uh, and qualifying. You know, it's on early in the morning and whatnot. Uh, followed then by the 101st running of the Indianapolis 500. Looking forward to that. Of course, the Charlotte, uh, the uh, Coca-Cola 600 from Charlotte Motor Speedway comes up after that. So basically tomorrow we can sit on our heinies and occasionally get up for snacks and potty breaks. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Good morning and welcome to The Driving Show. I'm John Hammer. Uh, I, I am blessed. If you guys are new to the show, I was born into the car guy world. I'm from Detroit originally, uh, born and raised there. I live in the metropolitan Charlotte, North Carolina area these days. I've been down here for about, uh, oh gosh, almost a dozen years now. And uh, it's actually really funny because where where I live, I'm in one of the northern suburbs of Charlotte where lots of the race shops are. And you see... You know, you see race car drivers and crew members and stuff in, you know, buying diapers for their kids or getting carry out or, or, oh God, speaking of this, did you hear about what happened to, uh, to Scott Dixon and Dario Franchitti the other day? Oh, oh our, we got to talk about this coming up in a couple of minutes. If you haven't heard, talk about race car drivers being regular car guys. <laughs> I mean... It's kind of a scary story, but it's kind of really funny all at the same time. If you haven't heard it yet, hang on. If you know what I'm talking about, don't tell your friends. We'll get to that story coming up in, in just a couple of minutes. All right, now coming up on the show, we've got some very special guests. Uh, number one, Alexandra and Laia are a couple of filmmakers from journal, uh, Germany who have completely fallen in love with the Bonneville Salt Flats. They are making a documentary about it. And some of the racers who have literally spent their entire lives there, they're focusing on some of these guys that are over 80 years old, still chasing land speed records. But here's the thing. They could use your help to get their film finished. It's not done yet. And we're going to have them coming up on the show in just a little bit. Very cool. They're actually going to be, they're in Germany, and they're going to talk to us from Germany. So that's kind of cool. Uh, then, if you've ever done a track day in your car, you've most likely had a right seat instructor uh, teaching you about the, you know, the ins and outs of doing it. I've done it for many, many years. There's a group who wants to set a national standard for right seat instructors. The idea sounds great. I'm not 100% sure of it, but um, we're going to talk about it coming up later. We're going to have instructor Sean Yoder on to uh, discuss the pros and cons of this idea. Plus, we're going to crank out another driving show song of the week so you can turn up the volume. That's all coming up in the next little bit. Super glad you're with us. But right now, it is time for the news. <laughs> Nikki Hayden has passed away. This past week has been, honestly, a wild mess of news reports and fake news and upset folks regarding the MotoGP champion world superbike racer. The initial report uh, from uh, a week or so ago uh, that he'd been hit by a car while riding his bicycle, that was correct. But then multiple news sources said that he had died from his injuries. Uh, someone had basically had written a fake news story that got picked up all over the internet. Now to counter that, Hayden's father made a statement from Kentucky saying that Nikki was on life support, but he was in fact still alive. It took a while to straighten it all out, but the first reports of his death were absolutely not true and caught a lot of fans off guard. Unfortunately, Hayden did not recover from his injuries and we lost him a couple of days ago. The tributes to the champion have been impressive. No doubt his enthusiasm will be missed.
Dodge has dropped another big one on the automotive world. The 2018 Dodge Challenger SRT Demon. The world's fastest production car with a 2.3 second 0 to 60 time and a 9.65 quarter mile at 140 miles an hour gets an MSRP of 84,995. Now, I'm not saying the 85 grand is cheap. I certainly just can't go out and stroke a check for it. But for those kinds of stats, that's a freaking bargain, man. And here's the wild part. Key options on the car are also a deal. Uh, you know, the car comes with only one seat, comes with a driver's seat. If you want a passenger seat, it's a dollar. If you would like to have a back seat in your car, it's a dollar. How about the Demon Crate? That's the extra crate full of stuff so that you can actually run that 9.65 quarter mile. It's got a computer for the for the you know the ECU that runs on race gas. It's got uh, it's got the skinny tires, the drag tires for the front. It's got uh, it's got a jack. It's got uh, an impact wrench. It's got air pressure gauges. All that stuff. All that deal. The value is well over six thousand dollars for the Demon Crate. You get it for say it with me. One dollar. No kidding. Production dates haven't been announced yet, but we're expecting the 2018 Dodge Challenger SRT Demon to start deliveries later this fall. One of the most famous British car companies is no longer British. Now, there's a, a bit more to it than that. But we're talking about Lotus, Colin Chapman's company, where he was talking, he always talked about adding lightness, right? That was his big deal. They've not been fully English for quite some time. And they've recently been owned by a Malaysian company who has just announced that they'll sell the sports car maker to China's Geely Automotive, one of the largest companies in the business. Geely will acquire 51% of Lotus, and their CFO says that Geely plans to, and this is his quote, unleash the full potential of Lotus. NASCAR has announced their 2018 schedule, and there are some big changes, including a bump from the Oval to the Roval for next October's, October 2018's Bank of America 500 weekend. I wonder if they're going to have to rename that. If they're going to run the road course, the Roval road course, I can't imagine they're going to run 500 miles on that. The first time we've ever had a, a road course style uh, track in the playoffs. And we'll, we'll talk more about that coming up in a little while. The Motorsports Update is here with us in just a little bit. The Skip Barber Performance Driving School has filed for bankruptcy. Their debt is said to be near $10 million and liabilities as much as $50 million. Woof. Um, actually, you want the, the irony on this one. Skip actually owns Lime Rock Park, which is the biggest debtor to, to the, the school that bears his name. Funky stuff there. If you're looking for a business to buy, here's your chance to get one for pennies on the dollar. It does have 40 years of heritage in the name. That's got to be worth something. Porsche has made the 1 millionth 911. It's a dark green with a checkered interior. It looks like a, a, just a great classic color combination. It's really nice. The car is going to go on a world tour. It's expected to run at the Nürburgring, and then it's going to head over to the Porsche Museum where it will live out its life. Interestingly, Porsche says that over 70% of all 911s are still on the road. So if you don't have one, You've got 700,000 to choose from out there. 
All right, it's time for a quick break. But coming up, we're going we're gonna to connect uh, with Germany up next, where Alex and Laia from The World's Fastest are standing by to talk with us about their movie project that focuses on land speed racing at the Bonneville Salt Flats. Stand by. We've got a big show ahead, and I'm super glad you're here with us. I'm John Hammer, and this is The Driving Show. Do you remember the TV show Madhouse where they followed the short track modified guys in North Carolina? They raced at a track called Bowman Gray Stadium, which is actually a, a high school football stadium. They built a racetrack around the outside edge of it. They're racing there later tonight, and I'm about 95% sure I'm going to take my son and, and head over there tonight to check things out. It's you know, it's about an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes away, but what the heck, it's good. I love local racing, and if you are going to spend all day tomorrow watching racing on TV like I will... You owe it to yourself to get out there and check things out in your neighborhood, all right? Welcome back. It's The Driving Show. I'm John Hammer. And if, if you've seen the, the World's Fastest Indian, you've got a, a pretty good history on the Bonneville Salt Flats. If you've ever been there, that's even better because the place is unbelievable. The amazing stories of speed and perseverance, uh, you know, they're just, they're endless. And there's a couple of German filmmakers who want to tell those stories. They're working on a documentary that's called The World's Fastest. And I'm excited to welcome Alex and Leia to The Driving Show. Ladies, how are you? Very good. Good. How are you? I'm, I'm really well. I'm glad that you're with us. And for uh, folks that are listening in, you guys are all, you're way in Germany. Where in Germany are you? Um, well, yeah, we live in Hamburg. It's uh, pretty windy and rainy, but when the sun shines, like for, uh, I don't know, 10 years, uh, 10 days a year, it's really great. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then everyone is out there doing party. Yeah. <laughs> so of all the things, how, how do a couple of nice girls like you wind up in the United States hanging out at Bonneville? Like, I go there since 1999. And since that, I was hooked up and went there every year since today. So it's now, what, 18 years already? Yeah. Yeah. When you went there, and, and I had a chance to go to Bonneville for the first time about five years ago. And, and I've been in the, the, you know, the automotive enthusiast hobby pretty much my whole life. I grew up in Detroit. I mean, when you're in Detroit, you're oh. going to be surrounded by cars and car people. But it hit me at just how special Bonneville was. The people that were there were so passionate. What was it for you when you went there the first time that, that just flipped that switch and you said, oh my gosh, this is so magic? At, at first, it was the place, which is super magical. You drive there and it's like all white and it's huge and there's nothing than white. It's hot, it looks like snow, but it's amazing. It's like magical. And then you meet those people and there are some guys, there's, I don't know, 80 years old and they are more inspiring than some people who are 20 years old in Germany or somewhere else. Like they have so much passion and trust and friendship and it's just so inspiring. I love it. So were you filmmakers first and, uh, and, and looking for a subject or did, did it just kind of happen? How'd that come together? The other way around, like I'm, I'm a gearhead. Yeah. And um, so it's, yeah. And then I studied like uh, film and, and um, um, like uh, photography. And then I met Laia and I met Frank, the camera guy. So Laia, have you been a, an enthusiast as well? Are you, are you a car person? 
I'm not that much of a car person compared to her, definitely. I've been working for car brands like for the last eight years also, so I'm, I'm really familiar with that. I'm a passionate filmmaker and documentary storyteller, so that's where I come from. And uh, together we have like this great uh, combination, you know, of uh, being like, I don't know, kind of a, a power girl couple to, to do this topic, you know? So. Well, that brings up a really good point because telling the story is is important how, how do you tell the story to someone who's maybe not if if they're not a gearhead and if they're not into cars and they don't uh, and they've never been to Bonneville the ch that's a challenge to describe that and to tell that story to people yeah it is i mean i think this is how she got me motivated into it because of the one hand on the visual side you have this great place that even if you're not into cars you're just fascinated by, by the by the looks of everything and the people that that she met that are so super inspiring this is something that actually can touch everyone you know because being 80 and not even thinking about how long you're gonna live just that you want to keep doing what you really love to do this is something that got me into this topic you know as you mentioned some of these guys are 80 years old they've been doing this their entire lives describe that describe some of these guys let's start with jack jack is like i would say the professor to me of all of them he has like his own philosophy about the um, lakesters and streamliners he's building and he has i think 128 records already wow. and still going and he goes really fast with very very um, little engines like because he has this very good idea about aerodynamics and and he's building those very very special cars and forms oh and that's a great point also like every person you meet there is an individual and also the cars you see, they don't look like Formula One, every car looks the same. They look totally different. Yeah, a really good point. There are so many racing series these days that are basically a, a spec class. We, you know, here in the States, we've got NASCAR and everybody argues that even though you've got you know, Ford and Chevrolet and Toyota in there, that all the cars are basically the same. You come out to Bonneville, it's a whole different ball game. Like you said, you mentioned streamliners and you've got old version, you know, old fashioned Lakesters and you got guys that are doing, you know, amazing things with brand new types of cars and, and motorcycles and things like that. I mean, it's, uh, it's where folks can go and really legitimately be creative. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And free. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's freedom. And, um, and another person I would like to mention is El Teak. I guess you know El Teak for sure. Um, I would say he's one of the f um, ones who are most known because he's like a real hero because he was building his car for I think 16 years in a backyard garage with not a lot of money with like just help from friends like he was not like a millionaire who did that like with right i pay you bucks and you do it like he did it like he had a straight forward job and he did it next to his job for 16 years and then he reached his goal 1991 to set like the record for the world's fastest automobile which was like uh, i think 407 miles per hour wow and 
I mean, this guy is super amazing, and um, he's not he's not driving anymore, but he he will come with us to the salt this year to say goodbye to the salt. And so we have lots of stories we have to tell this year. We can't wait for next year or whatever. Like that's that's why we would like to, yeah, to make it really yeah. this summer. If it's not raining. <laughs> very true, very true. And rain, yeah, rain will really mess things up. But hey, let's talk about that for a moment because that has been a big story about Bonneville over the last handful of years is the condition of the facility there. The salt is not as thick as it used to be. Tell me about that. Yeah, Jack, Jack just said in an interview we did, um, the salt was like one meter 19, uh, in the 30s. And now it's like it's like the, a couple uh, three centimeters. Wow. Um, you know how much inch that is in America? Um, like really, really little. Yeah. So it's like when you drive, sometimes the dirt comes through already, yeah. and then they have really a problem because then it gets dangerous. Because if you have a stone or something and you drive for three or four hundred miles per hour, um, it's very, very dangerous. So. Um, you don't know, or like no one knows really how much longer this race will, will really happen. So we would like to capture the history, you know, like this kind of race history. I mean, I hope it's, it stays for longer, but you don't know or no one knows. So that's, that's why it's also very urgent to do it now. Well, and that brings us to the point about actually telling the story and getting your film produced. You're looking for help. That's I, I, that's how I found you. I saw you uh, through Kickstarter, and I thought, what a great story. Yeah. So, so tell me about that and how folks can get involved with what you're doing. Well, we have uh, we've started a campaign, and we want to collect uh, fifty-eight thousand euros. Um, this is I don't know how the dollar cents now. I think it's like. Yeah, quite really, yeah it's it's almost one to one now so yeah. it's uh, above like sixty thousand um, dollars it sounds a lot but actually it isn't that much for us to produce the film um we chose this way because it's the the fastest way we can get a lot of people involved and then be able to produce really quickly as Alexandra said we really want to do it this summer whenever we have if we get the money whenever we have it we have to give away quite some chunk of it to kickstarter itself for fees and to german taxes so in the end we're gonna have like I think half of it, and then uh, with that money, we will be able to, to come to the States for about six weeks we're planning, and then do the whole shoot with a really small crew. So well, it, this is the plan we have. I love what you're doing. I think it's great. The story seems fantastic, and clearly you're both very passionate about this. Um, and, and I think as as Americans listening to this, you know, we love we love the accents and we hear that and we're just thinking, what are a couple of German girls doing hanging out with a bunch of old fat American hot rod guys, you know? Well, that's basically it. <laughs> if you put and it, it's good fun. <laughs> but it's fun. It's great fun, yeah. And I mean, if, uh, if people want to get involved, we, we have prepared some great rewards for everyone to, to actually get something out of it. It's not only, you know, people giving us money and then it's like, that's it, you know. So we're, we're offering the film of it. We're offering um, some uh, photography, some art. We're offering T-shirt design. We even have some big prizes and for the real, real fans. Um, they can come and hang out with Jack, for instance, in his workshop and learn from him and learn how, how he built his cars and everything. So it's really like we prepared really nice packages for everyone who really loves, uh, loves this uh, sport so much. 
What's the easiest way for our folks to find you? Um, the easiest way is to go on our website, theworldsfastestfilm.com. Um, or you can find us uh, on Facebook, uh, The World's Fastest is the name of the site. And we, we have there a lot of fans and a lot of American fans already, which is really cool. And um, there we update a lot of uh, content we're producing. Um, and yeah, it, it, it's a nice way to, to get in touch with us. All right, you guys, let's step up and uh, open our wallets and help these ladies make this film because it's important. They're clearly going to tell the story the right way and feature some very exciting people. It's Alex, it's Leia. Thank you so, so much for joining us this morning all the way from across the world. And, uh, and boy, I, I can't, can't say enough how much I wish you the best and hope this all works together. We're going to spread the word. We're going to try, try our best to help uh, from our end as well. Love what you're doing. Thank, thank you very much. much. Thanks. Awesome. <laughs> We're up against a hard break, but on the backside of this, we're going to take a look at the latest in racing with this week's Motorsports Update. This is The Driving Show, and I'm John Hammer. Stay right where you are. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jesse Wuji, and I'm a U.S. Naval officer and also a driver in the NASCAR K&N Pro Series West, and I drive for a Patriot Motorsports Group, and you're listening to The Driving Show with John Fantastic Saturday morning on what's a three-day weekend for many of us. It's time for this week's motorsport update. Let's jump right into it. You know, the big story of the week is the untimely passing of American MotoGP champion and world superbike ace Nicky Hayden. Hayden was hit by a car while riding his bike in Italy. Unfortunately, he could not survive his injuries. The outpouring of emotions has been overwhelming and inspirational. Everyone here at The Driving Show certainly shares those feelings and sends our condolences to Hayden's family and friends. This weekend, we get back to racing, and we could spend hours talking about Formula One without Fernando Alonso, the Indy 500 with Fernando Alonso, and NASCAR's longest race, the Coca-Cola 600. For many of us, tomorrow is treated like, an, you know, like a national holiday. You know, my, my buddy Carl used to invite us all over to his place. We'd uh, have breakfast and mimosas while watching F1. We'd go mess around for a while. We'd come back for grilling during Indy. And then, of course, we'd order pizza during the 600 and have a, a few more beverages or two over the course of the day. I hope you have some great plans as well. NASCAR has announced their changes to the 2018 calendar, and they are substantial. Daytona will still start the season, but it's actually going to move up a week. Richmond will see both races change. The early race becomes a night race, and then the late season race is now in the playoffs, adding another short track to that. So that's cool. Finally, the real big story that's got everybody talking is Charlotte's October race is now going to move to the Roval. So drivers are going to run almost all of the Oval plus the infield road course. Now, I've raced on the old configuration there in my sports car series. It, it's pretty cool. I have to say it's really cool. But with 40, 3,400-pound stock cars tearing around there, I mean, even with the work they did, and they, they reconfigured the infield a little bit uh, about a year. That's probably about two years ago now. I, boy, that's going to be that's asking a lot of the place. My money says that thing's going to be a wreck fest. And I can't wait to see it. I think it's going to be a blast. Over in Formula One, they are still trying to figure out a package that the teams like, the fans like, and that everybody can afford to build. In an article on Motorsport.com, Red Bull's head guy, Christian Horner, says that Formula One needs to have a successful independent engine manufacturer, or two or three of them. He says, quote, I think the most important thing for F1 post-2020 is a competitive independent engine. 
I think the regulations for that need to be set very soon. The engine within F1 is the biggest element that the commercial rights holder is focused on because it dictates so many things relating to cost, relating to performance, and differential between suppliers. And it's not great to see Fernando Alonso and McLaren in the situation that they're in, for example. Interesting. I I like his take on it. He's being frank. He's calling him out. He's right. Speaking of F1, with Alonzo in tomorrow's Indy 500, McLaren has pulled Jensen Button out of retirement and put him in Alonzo's car. The former champ is excited to be back in a car, even if it's not competitive. During practice, he brushed the wall a couple of times trying to get used to it, but uh, I'm sure he's excited to be behind the wheel. Finally, we're less than a month away from the 24 Hours of Le Mans, and the FIA is already making adjustments to cars. They call it BOP, or Balance of Performance. I mean, I get it. You know, the idea is to make the cars run closer. Last year, the top four cars in GTE were the Ford GTs and the Ferrari 488s, and it's interesting because they have penalized Ford, but the Ferraris did not get any penalties. Strange, right? The Ford's going to weigh more. It's going to have less turbo boost plus a slightly smaller fuel tank. They get to begin testing in just one week. All right, it's break time, but up next, your chance to crank up the speakers with the Driving Show's Song of the Week, and it's a good one, too. Stand by. We got that up next. I'm John Hammer, and this is The Driving Show. Welcome back to The Driving Show. I'm John Hammer. And by the way, I wanted to add one more thing to the motorsports update. NASCAR has announced their class for the Hall of Fame to be inducted later this year. And everybody involved said it was really tough to vote on because so many great names were nominated. But after they got it all together, we have five more very deserving folks in the Hall of Fame. Number one, Robert Yates. Look, Robert Yates is the racer's racer. He's one of the greatest engine builders of all time. And uh, in recent months, we've heard that he's not been feeling too well. He's been battling cancer. He doesn't get out as much as he'd like. But on Thursday night, he got onto Twitter and he wrote, and he says, quote, I don't often tweet. However, I do take time to read all the messages. I want to thank everyone for your kind words and the NASCAR Hall of Fame votes. How cool is that, huh? Up next, Red Byron. He was NASCAR's first champion, one of its biggest early personalities. He was known for racing with a brace to help steady his bad left leg. He died in 1960. He was just 45 years old, but boy, believe me, he left a mark on the sport. Up next, third on the list, Ron Hornaday. Did you know? I didn't even know this. He was discovered by Dale Earnhardt racing in a winter series. I did not know that. Senior put him in a truck. And the rest is history. He gave back to the sport by allowing a whole bunch of young racers to stay at his house over the years as they built up their careers. You might have even heard a few of those kids. How about Kevin Harvick and Jimmy Johnson? That's cool. Ken Squire, the professor and one of the longest-running broadcasters in any sport, he's getting in. You could argue that he really became known as uh, as a racing broadcaster for the 79 Daytona 500, you know, the one, the legendary one where there was the huge snowstorm and there was nothing for anybody to do but watch racing, and so for a lot of people, that was the first race they watched. That was Ken's voice on there. And finally, the number fifth, uh, the fifth one to uh, to get into the Hall of Fame this year, it's Ray Everham. And Ray, I got to tell you, Ray has become a heck of a personality over the years. He's got three championships with Jeff Gordon. Uh, he's built that great TV show with Americana. He owns a short track here in North Carolina. 
And every year he does a charity uh, car show in the metropolitan Charlotte area that brings out some of the best cars you've ever seen. And all kinds of NASCAR guys come on out. And just it's such an amazing event. It really is. And I got to say, I got to tell you, I'm blessed to say that I've worked with him off and on for about the last five or six years on a couple of different projects. Congratulations to all the nominees. Uh, and, and I got to throw this run in here, too. When you come to Charlotte, number one, you need to come to Charlotte. It's a great place. When you come to Charlotte, uh, you must go to the NASCAR Hall of Fame. It really is that good of a place. All right, shifting gears. You know, there's nothing like having the windows rolled down and a great tune cranked up. And that's what we're going to do right now give you a chance to do exactly that it's this week's driving show song of the week now see if you can pick out all the driving references in this one it's brooks and dunn hillbilly deluxe hey, up in the backwoods down in the holler old boys feeling like a dog on a collar keeping that chain full tight waiting on saturday night Put on the smell good, put on Skinner Head into town like a NASCAR winner Cruising back and forth to the tasty freeze Everywhere you look, all you see is Hillbilly Deluxe, slick pickup trucks Big timing in a small town Stirring it up, right about sundown Black denim and chrome to the bone with a little home Smile back, hey baby, what's your name? Burn a little rubber when the red lights change. Here come the blue lights, here come Barney. Hot on the beer, y'all, let's move the party. Gotta go, but that's alright. Do it all again next Friday night. Hillbilly Deluxe, slick pick em up trucks. Big timing in a small town. Brooks and Dunn, our driving show song of the week. 
do you guys think we should play next week on the show? I mean, I do not care what genre it's in. I don't care who sings it. If it's a great driving song, song <laughs> I'm up for it, right? Drop a note to me on Facebook at thedrivingshow.com. It just takes you to Facebook. Uh, and at The Driving Show on Instagram. You can send me notes either way. Up next, how good is your on-track driving instructor? Someone's come up with a plan for that. We're going to discuss it here next on The Driving Show. You know, we've all got our Walter Mitty moments, especially this weekend with so much racing to watch. I mean, it's easy to say, I can do that. I, I can do that. And then you decide it's time to actually do it and you bring your car to the track, but getting professional instruction may not be all it's cracked up to be. I'm John Hammer. Welcome back to The Driving Show. We've got my buddy and professional track instructor, Sean Yoder, joining us on the phone. And Sean, how long have, how have you been doing instruction? 20, 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, a long time. So you've seen it all, man. I mean, you've had great students. You've had students that have their heads up their butts. Uh, you've probably had some oh-my-God moments. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. You had the oh-my-God moment over at Charlotte, didn't you? That was you. Yeah, that was me. All right, describe that. He was he was listening to everything I had to say and was, was the model student. We went out for our third session. We got into NASCAR 3. I saw him sink down in the seat and go white knuckle. Oh, boy. He brushed the brake, like stabbed the brake, actually, twitched the wheel, and the car just went into a flat spin. Yeah. As soon as the car went into a flat spin, I went from go through the cones, slow it down in a straight line, um, you know, don't turn into to, to one. As soon as the car started spinning, I was like, all right, both feet in. I want your right foot away yeah. from the accelerator, yeah. on the brake as hard as you can, left foot on the clutch, to the floor, keep your hands on the wheel, keep your eyes up. Because I, I, I mean, literally, this is self-preservation, but oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> this is this is. I would really rather not end up in the hospital or worse today. Yeah. Um, and we went into the pit wall, full driver's side, and it didn't slide down the wall an inch. Ugh. It just, it just hit the wall and stopped. Wow. What's really scary about that is that even for someone like you who's been doing this literally for decades, knows exactly what to say in any given situation, that still doesn't guarantee that the student is going to actually do that. Listen. Yeah, and then that leads us to what's going on here. So there's a group of guys called the Motorsport Safety Foundation, and Ross Bentley's part of it. Now, Ross ran an indie car for a little while, a lot of sports car stuff. He's written a lot of books, and he's made a lot of money on seminars. And I've read all of his books, and they're amazing. Yeah. The Secrets is incredible. Absolutely. It's great stuff. And seriously, if you're a track day guy, read the books. It's really good stuff. But I want to throw something out before we can get going and talking about this, and I want to ask your, your thoughts and, and whatnot on it. There's a Road and Track magazine did the uh, they, they ran the article on this just a couple of days ago. So this was just announced last week. And so Roden Track's uh, article, it's, it's, the headline is, The Movement to Certify Track Day Instructors Has Finally Begun. Uh, it says, Today, there's no way of knowing if your driving instructor has the proper experience. Wrong. I want to read the first paragraph of their article. This is written by a guy named Jack Barreth. Uh, it says, The state of track day safety has long been important to Roden Track. Back in 2014, this issue came to national prominence when a driving instructor, Kenneth Novinger, died of injuries sustained in a crash at Summit Point Raceway. 
This tragic incident didn't start the conversation about track day risks and instructor competence. That's been going on for a long time across many different values, but, excuse me, venues. But in the months that followed, many of those conversations began to converge. Now, as a guy who's been also a right seater for a very long time, that right there sounds like they're blaming that instructor for his own death in a car. It really does. That, I mean, it's really, really I mean, unfair. Let's, let me throw this right out. Let me read it again. This tragic incident didn't start the conversation about track day risks and instructor competence. Ultimately, it is up to the person holding the steering wheel, as good as you may be, as good as I may be, and the thousands of instructors that are all over the country. It's still up to the clown holding the wheel to do the right thing. As a right seater, what is our responsibility to teach our students? When I, when I hop in the car with someone, before we ever get in the car, I make sure that I have at least five to ten minutes to sit down with whoever I'm hopping in the car with. Yeah. And, and basically just uh, do my best to assess how much time they spent on track and get an idea of their personality and make sure that they understand that, first and foremost, when I'm in the car with them, we are concentrating on safety from the from the outset and then and then line and application of controls and car control and whatever else we may be working on the, from, from the beginning of the of the statement here you know from the from this and I'm again I'm going to go back to the the road and track article because I, I think I, I I think today there's no way of knowing if your driving instructor has the proper experience. That statement in the headline of their article is complete bunk. I've run and I've 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 right seated with independent groups. I've right seated with the SCCA, Sports Car Club of America. I've right seated for years with NASA, the National Auto Sport Association, and I'm here to tell you that all of those groups. Now, while there isn't a one specific standard between those groups not one of those groups allows you to just jump in the right seat and as you jokingly referred to earlier say i got this i i while i applaud their effort i'm almost insulted by it <laughs> in a way i kind of feel the same way sean i really do it, it is it a good idea sure but if you don't have any other group signed on to accept what you're doing until scca until nasa until chin until all these other groups uh, accept this as the standard, then it's just, it's an extra nice thing that you've paid for and you can say, hey, I've got this certification, except that, uh, you know, it's like getting a degree in, in, in something uh, that doesn't really help you out a whole lot, you know? It's a tool, but it's not the tool. Yeah. It's not the only tool. Well, I don't know what's going to happen, uh, you know, in the long run. Well, certainly we're going to keep an eye on it. The idea as, as in general is good. Uh, I do like the idea. I certainly wish them the best. And if their idea is deemed good by enough major organizations, perhaps this thing will actually become a national standard. Right now, it's a very cool press release and uh, and, and a way for you to you know liberate fifty bucks out of your pocket. But uh, but I do but I do like the idea. I really do. So we'll see what happens. Motorsport Safety Foundation. You can Google those guys and find them and and, and see what they've got to say about uh, about having a national standard for. Uh, HPDE and track day instructors. A great idea. Sean, I appreciate your help, man. Thanks for your insight on all this. Thanks for having me back on, Hammer. Anytime. Uh, it's, it's an interesting topic and uh, a lot of fun talking about it.
And that wraps up the show this week. Thanks for stopping by. Now, if the stars align, I'm expecting to get champion Trans Am driver Tommy Kendall on the show for next week. He and I are just trying to get the phone call worked out, but he's got a great story to tell. He just re- uh, represented the United States in the race of heroes over in Saudi Arabia. Join us again next week. Same time, same place. We're going to talk some cars, and you can catch us online too. TheDrivingShow.com is for our Facebook page and on Instagram at The Driving Show. I'm John Hammer. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and I'll see you next week right here on The Driving Show.